right. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Picture Talk. I am Sean. With me is D and Joe. Um, before we get into it, a while back, Joe actually uh, actually had a podcast himself, which was all about sports. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, you remember, you remember that? What, uh, what happened to that one? <laughs> I actually, I, so Shane was the other guy on it, and I told him, uh, like, I just like. I like was listening to like a really old one, like from two years ago to just to like, yeah, just see what sports were like two years ago. He was like, ah, I should think about that. We should do one. <laughs> I was like, it's been, it's been, it's been about a year. <laughs> yeah. Big jump. Yeah, we'll get but back anyway, to it. on that podcast, I would, um, just kind of be off mic chilling in case, uh, chilling with a G, um, in case I wanted to chime in, say something, say something witty, funny, or at the end, I would be a part of a little segment. Um, Tonight, I feel like I'm going to be going back to that because uh, tonight we're talking about 70s movies and I'll kick it off with the one that I really like and that came to mind uh, when Joe brought up this topic and that's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. Do you guys, are we on the same page on that one? I love that movie so Definitely. much. Definitely. Yeah. Probably, I think, probably the best How? movie of the decade. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Do you, would... <laughs> I was, I was not think- my personal favorite of the decade, one of, but one yeah. of the most well-made movies of that decade. It's weird. Um, Milos Forman directs that, and then that Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman movie, <laughs> and that's it, right? He did uh, Amadeus did he, did he do Dead in the 80s. No, that was uh, Peter Weir, I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> You're right. It was. <laughs> we did that Amadeus movie yeah. in the 80s. Because I was like, who, who directed? When we were talking about it in the 70s, I was trying to think who directed it. And Okay, he did yeah, Amadeus. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you, is, is Nicholson your favorite actor? You've um, seen all of his movies, right? Most of them. Not all of them. What have you not seen? Like, I mean, have you not seen like the bucket list, like the, the crap he's been doing? I've actually seen that one. I have seen that. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, a terrible movie. Then, then you've had to see them all. <laughs> his worst movie. If you've seen that. Well, what was his, uh, the last one he acted in? It was like a flop by, uh, who directed it again? Brooks. Uh, he, oh, oh it, uh. How do you know? How do you know? Do is you that know? the last yeah. thing he? That's the last thing he was an actor. Is it really? Yep. I caught. I never seen that before. Like and it was 2010. on about a month ago, and I watched maybe twenty minutes of it, and it was the worst twenty minutes I've ever seen of a movie. So there's um, when I was in when I was in college at Drexel, there, there's this big. It's an armory, or it was an armory, and Drexel was sort of using it. They used it as a gym for a while, and then we're just using it for like like recreation. But they um were renovating it, so. When they were scouting locations for that movie, um, they like found this and they they built sets in it. So there was like this. If you remember, I think it's Nicholson's office. If if you remember that, yeah. So that's that's the set that was in. Um, that was in the, this is actually good. I may have told this. I that's probably definitely told you guys before, but it's a funny story. So they um they put the uh that set was in like the Drexel Armory. So they had like Drexel students who were like in, involved in film like kind of run errands for, for the production or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> so I was writing for Drexel's paper at the time and I, I was going to review the movie and then write a separate part about like, like the set and did he see Nicholson? Did he see James, James L. Brooks uh, who, who wrote and directed it? And uh, I interviewed this guy, I can't, I can't remember his name, but uh, he said at one point um, they're, they're filming and they stopped for lunch and they had like Chinese, <laughs> Chinese food. <laughs> and he said this, the, the guy I interviewed was, was an Asian kid and he said on the day he was wearing a shirt that said Chopstick Champion, just like out of coincidence. 
So he said he like gets his food and he sits down and first James L. Brooks walks by him and like sees a shirt and he's holding chopsticks and he does like a little like chopstick motion with them. And he's like, we'll see about that. And just keeps walking. <laughs> and then and then he said Nichols had just walked by, took his food and just walked off because he thought that it was for him. So he was like, he's like, yeah, I saw them eat for like one second. It was like two minutes apart. Nicholson just took his food and left because <laughs> he thought he just like got it for him. That's awesome. Yeah, things had changed uh, from from the seventies, but um, yeah, I think that a lot of the same actors are going to pop up as we as we kind of go through the movies of the uh, yeah of, of the seventies. Well, uh, well, probably to answer your question though, Nicholson's probably my favorite actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of all time. He's definitely my, my favorite old school actor. My favorite working actor is Joaquin Phoenix. Those are my two favorite actors of all time, probably. Yeah, yeah, nice. I can't. I can't even think of mine. Um, but what's interesting, I, I think, before we we dive into uh, into the movies, is um, the like the late '60s to the to the early '80s. That that's that was the, some people call it New Hollywood. I was called the American New Wave, where where like all of the directors sort of took control from the studios whereas the studios were like we saw barton fink like you kind of saw what the studio does they just tell him and then he writes this thing and the artist really doesn't have any control he's like what what is this like schlock um so the artist started taking control from the studios and that's why we had all these great movies from like that time period um and it was a lot a lot more we're going to get into this in, in at least the movies that i jotted down uh shooting on location they never did that before and once people started shooting on location it like obviously looked a lot better um and then it was cheaper than building sets to the studios like too and let them kind of get away with it um but i think what happened or what, what did happen with giving the artists more more power was um they made really good movies and one of the really good movies they made was jaws which we'll we'll talk about in a second and then two years after jaws star wars came out so the studios are like oh wait <laughs> we can make a ton of money off of these people so it's sort of like all right, well, you guys can can still have control, but we're going to control the types of movies that are coming out, and that's where you sort of started. Like Jaws, everyone considers the first summer blockbuster, and then and then Star Wars obviously was was a whole new kind of stratosphere. So a lot of people say that this this new Hollywood started with The Graduate and ended with Jaws, which would be like nineteen sixty eight to seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes a little bit a little bit further than that, where even towards the end of the seventies, you had those like gritty seventies um, movies, but but I think, uh, you know, when I just was preparing for this, I was thinking about what happened in the 80s, and I just don't know. I guess they were trying to make all blockbusters, and, like, everything was just terrible. And then in the 90s, I mean, we were, right, we talked about this topic. I think you said the 70s is your favorite era of movies. I said the 90s is mine. And I think I like the 90s so much because that's when, well, obviously we got a lot of, you know, my favorite directors just came out of that decade, but it was like true independent movie started like it wasn't you couldn't make them on an iphone like like now it's just anything goes and you have steven soderbergh with an iphone movie the comes are putting stuff on tv mm-hmm. like it's just it's all out chaos and then every every other movie is a sequel um and that's that's i mean the reason we have all these comic book movies is mainly in part because of star wars and jaws um and the studios have obviously taken control of that um although vince would argue that point tooth and nail that kevin feige is <laughs> not a businessman but some all tour <laughs> where all that guy cares about is making money um but but it's interesting because we did get get so many so many just great movies when they actually gave the artist control and it wasn't you know a cookie cutter plot and you know the narrative structure could be a little bit different I mean that that got taken to a whole new level in the nineties with a Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs and everyone trying to copy off of um, off of Tarantino but um, I, I think that you know you get more 
I, I just keep saying the word gritty, but that's kind of what they were. Like the movies were, you you wouldn't have seen even in the '60s or maybe in the late '60s, but you wouldn't have seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1960. Right. You certainly wouldn't have seen it in the '50s. And there was dark movies, and um, especially things in in France were were much more progressive, I guess, than what was in America. But you would never have had a movie like like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest really in any other decade you couldn't you really couldn't even make that movie now right you could <laughs> i mean it would be really difficult and if you tried it'd probably be a terrible movie I, you, I mean you could have the, all the pieces in place and it would still like they wouldn't give you 300 million dollars whatever it costs to make it because you'd have to pay joaquin phoenix you know 15 million or something to, to play the role and go from there so I, I just don't think you would you would have it and and, and people forget mcmurphy was there because he like molested a 13 year old <laughs> like everyone loves the guy statutory <laughs> rape yeah. What does he say? He's like, Doc, she was 13 going on 30. Yeah. It says here she was 15 years old. Oh, wow. That was quick. Here, here being Wikipedia. <laughs> um, was, it, was, it a, was it a novel and then a play and then a movie? And, and I think, yeah, I think that's the order. Because Michael, Doug- Michael Douglas bought the rights to the play? Either, yeah, either like, the I don't play know if it was a play or book, yeah. Um, so he, no, some, I think Kirk Douglas had the rights. Okay. And Michael Douglas came on as a producer. Okay. Uh, it's odd that Michael Douglas, when I guess he was, how old was he then? In 1975, he was probably, uh, was 130 now. So, now he's, what is Michael Douglas now, 70? He's probably 70, early 70s. Thought he didn't put himself in that role. I know. That's, Maybe he I just was, realized he's not a good actor. I don't think he was a known actor at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously he was a great cast, but but one of the, one of the I, I, think, I think that you got a lot of the best performances in film history out of out of the 70s just because it was Definitely. so many great actors sort of at their at their peak um i'm, I'm trying to well ju- just to add to what you said yeah. before though from that moment in the late 60s where the artist took over you know some of the control of the movies i think that's more of like you know that time going heading into the 70s it's the biggest leap in hollywood in terms of quality films do you know what i mean oh yeah yeah but then it's to yeah. add to your point in the nineties, I think there's definitely more um like that's where like the quantity of better films are. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that they got a little bit I mean, they just movies just kept getting easier and easier to make. Right. Um and, and literally now you just need a phone to make a movie and, and people have, have shown that made good movies just with an iPhone. Um but but yeah, I, th- I think that somebody said uh like this this new new wave in America was the biggest jump. Like I, I think it was worded just how you said it, the biggest jump um, in film since they added sound. <laughs> like it was, it was th- that obvious. But I mean, there's there's uh, there's fine movies that that came, yeah. came out of the I don't know out of the out of the fifties yeah. and sixties. Nothing, nothing sure. before then. It was all garbage before that. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, like uh, John Ford movies, Hitchcock yeah. movies, and, and, and that's you know, that, all classic, great films. And that's the other thing. A lot of it was like the leading men in the seventies were no longer six foot four like right, white yeah. america well they're all white but tall strapping like humphrey not well, humphrey gobart hum, humphrey bogart was very short but like the um john uh, wayne like, like or he's still around but he is no i john mean died. no <laughs> he died about 40 years ago <laughs> he was still relevant he's in still like the 70s yeah I mean, yeah when was true great that was in the 60s i think that was 69 okay so yeah right there um awful i know he died a couple years later so i guess he wasn't he died in like oh yeah that's right wasn't he like he wasn't able to like breathe at the end of that movie he had like stomach cancer or something it's crazy yeah um uh yeah but the like the carry grants of the world they they weren't really looking for that that. and you ended up with like short jewish guys or short italian guys were basically in every every single movie it's kind of crazy actually 
Um, we'll talk about Dog Day Afternoon uh, soon, one of my favorite movies in the 70s. But apparently Pacino, uh, who played the main character in that movie, was so tired after doing Godfather 2, he told Cindy Lumet, who directed it, that he was going to drop out because he just couldn't do it. He was exhausted. So Cindy Lumet was like, all right, that's fine. I got Dustin Hoffman on, on standby. He'll come. And then Pacino hearing that and having such a rivalry with Hoffman yeah. was like, actually, hold on. <laughs> like, I can do it. And he like passed out a couple times when they were filming it, I read, which is... Which is crazy, but uh, but it, yeah, it seems like there's that group of actors like De Niro, Pacino, Hoffman, and Nicholson who like you know maybe fought after roles or mm-hmm. um, tried to get the same part in the movie, or either if one of them was busy, you know, the director of that film would just call one of the guys who was available, you know, yeah. one of those five, yeah, because they are all just you know they came up and they're just on fire in that decade. Yeah, that's pretty much I think how it. Uh kind of how they how they operated i mean you really had a lot of overlap i think in like i'm i'm just looking at the movies i jotted down and i'm confused as to who was in what <laughs> it's, it's it's like I, I gotta remind myself they all blend they they, re- <laughs> uh, they, they really do what, what um so nicholson and let's just stay on him for a second nicholson in the 70s what were his movies in the 70s were your favorite movie of all time five easy pieces five easy pieces cuckoo's nest cuckoo's nest chinatown yeah uh those the last last detail let me get last detail oh let me get them let me get them (laughs) four um i haven't heard of any wait late 70s you had to do stuff those are the most notable ones right what's going south uh i think he wrote and directed that one (laughs) oh boy (laughs) that was uh his last one of the 70s 1978 well that's that's an incident where they had a little too much control (laughs) letting nicholson (laughs) write movies oh jeez um, yeah, those are probably his, his most notable ones. There's a couple I've seen. Um, well, Easy Rider was 1969. 1969, yeah. Okay. Yep. There's, a, there's a movie called uh, The King of Marvin Gardens, which is a hidden gem. Oh, yeah. It's 72. Nicholson and he's brothers with uh, Bruce Dern. Oh, boy. Yeah. It takes place in, <laughs> in Atlantic City. It's a good movie. That actually does sound interesting. Yeah. Um, was he in that boxing movie? What was that called with, uh, with like Jeff Bridges? Fat City. Yeah, was he in that? Oh, right. That was um, Bridges and Stacy Keach. And I know it was a badass. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> that I was for, also a great movie. Yeah, very I, underrated. I forget Jeff Bridges like really started in this. Actually, in like the sixties, I guess. He was in that right after Last Picture Show. Yeah. So he was just sort of you know up and coming at that point too. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's actually pretty crazy. Um, I think the probably the one movie that. I mean that we really have to talk about with with the seventies is is the Godfather. Um, I remember Bryn Mawr screened it like a couple of years ago, and D and I went, and it's like it's a long movie, and we get out and we get out of the theater, and D's just like, all they do is eat in that movie. <laughs> all they do is eat in that movie. <laughs> a lot of food. And then we then we stopped at Wendy's and got pulled over coming out of the Wendy's, and we like couldn't figure it out why, but apparently the speed limit on Lancaster Avenue is like fourteen miles an hour. <laughs> he was doing twenty. Um, what are you guys? thoughts on the godfather do you think it is what you consider one of the best movies ever made um i can't get into it really can, yeah <laughs> all right it's um <laughs> i haven't seen it in a while and it didn't do it for me yeah like there's plenty of movies that i like more than the godfather mm. i recognize it as a great movie and i yeah. understand yeah. why people say it's one of the best movies ever made that's how i should have said and it. and i'm not like arguing against them you know it's mm-hmm. just not a personal favorite of mine yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, I've, I've, I didn't, it is a great movie. Really, though. only seen it. I've only seen it a handful of times because it is, it is long. You know, Artie Lang can, can recite that word for word. Really? Yep. A lot of time. Crashing, crashing RIP. 
Yeah. Well, we'll have to do it. We'll have to do a show on that. Yeah. Um, we can do TV. I, Th- yeah. Those are talking pictures as well. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> um, I, I feel like like The Godfather, you had... Uh, is it Marlon Brando's best performance? Do you, that's another guy I've seen all his movies? Yeah, I'd, I'd say mm-hmm. yeah. Probably. I mean, for I think that, that he's only in it for, I don't know, five scenes? And he's like laying down for, right. <laughs> for most of them. In fact, the only time he stands in the movie, he dies. Spoiler alert. So, um, no, but I, I do think that, that the way that, I mean, that's sort of what the 70s were, were about. And not, not just gangster movies, but that type of movie that, I mean, based on a book, but it it, it kind of gets into like, like very, uh, you know, it's a very dark story but they tell it in kind of an interesting way and and you you know you, you like you mentioned Hitchcock and if you watch um I don't know if you watch North by Northwest uh, you know uh, who's a Cary Grant in that yeah Cary Grant's character does not change from the first scene of the movie to the last right. there's just no there was no like the characters weren't growing at all in <laughs> any movie that's so true um, I thought you meant his clothes he wears, he wears that same <laughs> he's suit, in that suit the whole time <laughs> but but this you see you know you kind of see see Michael Corleone Pacino just goes on that right. that journey throughout the movie which is um, which is great and then there's just a lot of iconic scenes and, and it is one of those movies where if it's on like you know much like Goodfellas or, or or you know Fargo for me oh like this is what's coming up so I'm going to hang in and then oh this scene's coming up so I'm going to hang in and, and here's where you know Sonny gets killed I'm going to hang in um, so it is a movie that when it comes on I end up watching and I think it is it is really a really really an important movie and kind of like you guys said i i get why it's so uh it's so um revered i I can i can definitely say it one of the few times i think that that the movie's been was better than the book that's what i've heard yeah i heard the book was just out of control really yeah (laughs) i mean the movie's a little well it's it's like it goes so like off topic apparently the book and like outside of the whole mafia world and everything and what they did with the movie is they sort of, you know, kept it on point and kept, you know, with the material. Yeah. I, kept I, like a fluid story going. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's the, 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 the pacing of the movie. And I know it's long, but it, it, for me, it goes by pretty quickly and it's, it, it never, it, nothing in the movie is, I, I, I didn't, I, I understand it, but I didn't necessarily like the time that was spent in Italy. Yeah. I'm not a big with, fan of that with either. With Michael. I mean, I think, right. I gotta watch it again, but I think that that serves its purpose. But I wasn't like so this. This this kind of drags. That was really the only the only part. But I, I think the, the the just the structure of the movie, the pacing was great, and and that's kind of the tricky thing too. Because when you get into the into the seventies and you're out of that just straight three act structure, here's how it goes, here's what's gonna happen, and here's mm-hmm. like you know it was like writing a newspaper article like they give you you're gonna do this movie's gonna be an hour and a half. That's what's gonna clock in at. And in the seventies, they kind of were able to do what they want and tell the story however they wanted. Um, so it did take, you know, skilled directors and I think a lot of directors learned a lot, um, kind of working in, in more broad parameters to, to make their movies. Um, what else, what else do you have to from the seventies? Uh, um, well, should we go back to Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah. Why not? We only did 10 how minutes about, on it the um, first time around. So let's, let's, let's take more, more off that boat. <laughs> how about, um, what's... Going well, going back to Nicholson. Mm-hmm. What um, what's five easy pieces about? I don't know what like any of these are about. 
Um, five easy pieces is so Nicholson's like this. Um, he's like this alienated guy. He comes from this family of musicians, sort of upper class, kind of intellectual types, and he has this sort of promising um, career in music. He's a pianist. And he gives it all up to go live on an oil rig, I think, in California. So he sort of leaves that life behind and all his responsibilities behind. And he sort of lives more of a blue-collar, middle-class life. But then he's just sort of he's, – he's never satisfied with the way he's living. He's always running away from his problems. Right. Um, he's got like a – you know, he's doing terrible things throughout the movie – He's cocky. He's like cheating on his girlfriend. Um, but he's so good in the movie that you can't help but to like sympathize with it's him. It's like an anti hero. Yeah. yeah. He's just, he's, it's one of his best performances. Definitely one of his more underrated movies. Um, yeah, and that's, it's, that's from 1970. I wonder how old he was. Yeah. It was his first, I think, leading role in a movie. Um, his first movie was in 58. All right, are we good on five easy pieces? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. Nicholson. I, I've been telling you guys to watch uh, I got it the, now I got the time signature to cut out the <laughs> perfect noise. Perfect. Um, obviously, when we talk about the 70s, one of, one, and this is prevalent, and I'm not sure in five, five easy pieces, but certainly in um, certainly in, in The Godfather, but Vietnam was was you know just, just ending as a lot of these movies are being made, so... Uh, movie that I love from from the seventies is the Deer Hunter, which was made in uh, made in nineteen seventy nine eight eight. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, five years after Vietnam officially ended, I think right seventy three. Um, so it was still very fresh in people's minds, and I think a lot of people uh, certainly at that time related with um, with this story of just like these are the kids from home, and that's why the first act of that movie, the first hour, is. The wedding, basically, and like Buddy's getting ready for a wedding, and Christopher Walken, uh, uh, just just give the best twenty minutes of his life, I think, and on screen, and in the first 20, 20 minutes of that movie. Mm. Um, but but that's that's one of my favorite movies of the uh, of the seventies, and it was was kind of a you know we talk about the studios controlling things. Michael Cimino, the director, uh, basically just didn't understand economics and just did whatever he wanted, and they had to for the last like the, the i forget i forget the numbers on the shoot and trying to maybe you can look it up uh like how many days it lasted but it was like insane it was so over budget um and they put a they, they put an accountant with him just to follow him all around so whenever he's trying to do stuff the accountant had to like shut him down because it would be too expensive um but but i think in that movie you get the best performance from christopher walken and he won an oscar for that right he did yeah there's only one there's only one Wow, that's actually not surprising. He's really not in anything else. That's that's very good. Um, and then you get a good performance from De Niro and and a guy who's going to pop up in just about every single movie we talk about is uh, John Cazale in his last last role, right? Uh, Deer Hunter was it? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think you're right because th- they were talking. Oh, yeah, you're right. He was like legitimately dying of cancer when he was like filming scenes in that. He was either in like a real serious relationship or married to Meryl Streep at the time of that movie. Yeah, that's the craziest thing yeah. about that movie, and it's about Russian roulette and like. Vietnam using soldiers, but the craziest part is that John Cazale was ever dating 1970s <laughs> Meryl Streep. Michael Cimino, um, the director, wanted to fire him just because he's you know like too weak <laughs> and ruthless. And Meryl Streep was like, "Listen, you know, if you fire him, I'm gone." So he, he kept him on. He, he's never 
he doesn't he doesn't go to Vietnam though, Kazale's character. No. There's like some I forget they like mentioned. It's, some it's actually a really go. small role for him. In the movie. Yeah, he's he's basic. <laughs> I mean, he's in the wedding scene, right? He gets really yeah. drunk. Um, or is that something else? No, he gets really no. It's definitely De Niro's like that. completely wasted. Yeah, yeah. They're actually they're in Pittsburgh, right? Or like outside, right yeah. outside of Pittsburgh, right? Um, yeah, and that was it's 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 not my my favorite war movie, but it's and again, it's super long. Like it is a really long long movie. Um, and you kind of have to commit to it, but but it's definitely worth it if you if you haven't seen the Deer Hunter, and and people obviously you know know for the iconic like Russian roulette scenes, yeah. but they do not disappoint. <laughs> like they're, they're awesome. It's not like a, a poorly made movie at all, but I think it's one of those movies that's just elevated by all the performances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. everyone's just so good in that movie. They they really are. It's 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 really strong acting from from a lot of people, uh, uh, from a lot of people involved. Um, Another, uh, I mean, it's it's funny because when you look at it, like so many of the the movies of the seventies reference Viet, and it, it makes sense they reference Vietnam in, in one way or another. Like every single movie made in you know the two thousand tens is about racism in one way or another. Um, but a a movie that I'm I'm not, I'm not crazy about that you might like it, Shawnee, you might like it too. Um, Apocalypse Now, I think that was nineteen seventy nine. Uh, that that movie that movie I had a tough time getting into it much like Shawnee said about about the godfather I, I know that people love it there's some iconic uh, scenes but yeah i don't know if i've seen it fully but yeah. i just always remember that opening um with um what's his face martin sheen, sheen. Yeah. yeah uh just smashing up the room mm-hmm. and i guess he was actually like the the trivia is that he was actually drunk and actually that's smashing right. up the room yeah that's right um with like the doors playing in the background. <laughs> yes, it was, from right there, you should have known it was a little overdone. Right. Um, I mean, then Duvall chewing up the scenery the entire movie. That's, that's, that's what I can. Yeah, that that's one, not his finest oh, moment. I'm say it is Apocalypse Now. That's one I don't get. I, I had a lot of trouble getting into that movie. I think it's overrated. It is, and Brando is just such like schlub. You just can't. I mean, <laughs> like every movie he's he's been in after like 1955, it's just like what a nightmare. Like this is what we had to do to cater to this guy. Like. <laughs> You would have been better served putting Gene Hackman in, in his role. That's true. Like, yeah, it's more trouble than it's worth with that guy. Right? <laughs> he stopped trying when he was like 35 years old. <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, it really is. Um, uh, we, we should actually, I guess we should talk. And they give him way too much credit. They're like, oh, he invented acting. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't the story like, like, yeah, you know what we're... Right here and now, we're gonna take him down. Yeah, yeah. This is this is it, Marlon Brando. Um, uh, let's seventies. Uh, so for for Brando in the seventies, it was Apocalypse Now and Last Tango in Paris. Was there anything else that he? Um, yeah. Superman. Is it good? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jarrell. That's right, Jarrell. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. He really. I mean, like. He, on the waterfront, he gives a great performance, and then The Godfather gives a great performance. But apparently, they had to like, they basically had to like tie strings to him to get him to move. <laughs> like he didn't want to do anything. He didn't even know any of his lines, right? I don't think so. It, it's it's amazing <laughs> that, that they needed to keep getting this guy in movies because <laughs> I, I guess he's a fine actor. It's a real pain in the ass. It just seemed like like much more trouble than it was worth. Um, last time in Paris, I think I watched like, but like as a joke, like I was laughing the whole time at it. Yeah, it's a weird movie. A very weird movie. Um, and I, yeah, I don't even. Uh, I'll just skip that one. That's one that just it just would not play today. Like no. it just that just not like A Clockwork Orange was another one from the seventies that, and I kind of focus more on more on American directors, but um, A Clockwork Orange is is 
I mean, just just complete, completely insane from from what people are probably used to. I mean, um, that, that's dark for today's standards. It is, yeah. Like you, I mean, the seventies got a little bit out of control with with a couple movies that they just you just wouldn't have movies like that anymore. And if you did, it would just be the kind of stuff that's like you find it on Netflix, like on the seven hundredth page down after like four and a half hours of scrolling. <laughs> um, uh, where are we? Saturday Night Fever, 1977. <laughs> I actually like that movie. Haven't seen that Not one. on my list. I like it, though. That's a Dunhu classic. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah, there you say. go. You're on the front Good cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let's, let's just, I guess, I'm sort of done with the war movies. Is there anything else war movie related in the 70s? That 70s war movies. So. Nothing's popping up. Like, I guess... Um, kind of a tangential connection to uh to Vietnam was uh probably my my second or third favorite movie from the 70s uh, Dog Day Afternoon. I believe that the the character Pacino plays was like a Vietnam veteran, right? Uh I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Um yeah, so my copy's in Wilson's basement if anyone <laughs> wants to go grab it. Um that was I don't even I don't even remember how I came across that movie, but but I saw it and just just completely loved it. I may have just been watching um Al Pacino movies, but um the premise was it was kind of like a like a torn from the headlines movie. There was a um, a guy who totally botched a bank robbery uh, to pay for a sex change for his his like gay lover, and for nineteen seventy five that I mean that was very probably very bold. And they don't like I was watching trailers for it, and in no trailer do they show the Chris Sarandon character. He's only in one scene, but they don't allude to the fact that this guy is trying to rob the bank to pay for a sex change for his lover. That's something that obviously would never have happened <laughs> before. <laughs> um, got that out, Shawnee? I'm making noises over here. Um, <laughs> um, it's a dang beer. It's a beer. Um, anyway, so, you know, I, I, I consider, consider, uh, and I, I was thinking about this, but I consider it the fourth best film performance of all time. And Pacino's best performance. <laughs> Go ahead, you can argue it. John Cazale uh, is one of the best performances of all time. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying Pacino. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I thought you were making a joke. No, saying I think the best performance, and then Al Pacino. and I'm going to work on the list. But but the ones that I go with are uh, De Niro and Raging Bull is the best performance of all time. Uh, Anthony Perkins in Psycho is number two. No one mm. likes that one, hmm. uh, but it's incredible. And then Daniel Day Lewis, and there will be bottom. I mean. I'm already confident actually, to say it. It's probably the best performance ever, but it just actually, seems a little too fresh. It's actually a really solid list. I don't imagine anyone ever acting better in a movie, but then number four would be Pacino in this movie. I think it's his best performance. It's definitely one of his best. What do you think his best is? Son of a Woman? Quick, uh, quick, <laughs> quick, quick synopsis, please. Dog Day Afternoon? Yep. Um, so again, it, it was like a, it was like a article written in, I think it was like Life Magazine and, and the director just, or um, uh, producer Brought it to Cindy Lamette. He said, "Yeah, I'll make it." So, uh, Al Pacino plays a guy named Sonny who who wants to rob a bank. You don't know why at first, but he wants to rob a bank for uh, to pay for a sex change for his lover. Um, he, he basically is. He's, I mean, he's not a criminal. He goes into the bank and he kind of he, he enlists the services of his buddy John Cazale. the The real guy was like a teenager, like a kid who he brought him with him to kind of be like a lookout. Right. Um, but again, Pacino 
like said, Kazale's got to be in it, or it'll get me, much like Meryl Streep did in Deer Hunter. Um, so they go to rob the bank, and uh, what they don't know is that, like the I don't I don't know the who, who whoever like the main branch of the bank picks up all of the cash like every day or, or every week or something, and they show up like like fourteen hours or something after it was all the money was taken. So now they're just in a hostage situation and uh, they don't know how to handle it. They just have all these people in the bank held hostage. So a hostage negotiator played by Charles Durning. I don't understand how he didn't win an Oscar for it. It's such a good performance. He is really good in that movie. That's what I was trying to think. It's incredible. Is Charles Durning? Charles Durning is the, okay. yeah, he's a hostage hostage negotiator. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he's now talking to him, but it's, it's take pla- it takes place in New York and, the story's like getting legs and now there's like a crowd outside. So it becomes like just this like total insane circus. Um, and they, they really are just trying to find a resolution the entire movie. Like it's either in the bank or out front. And then uh, we talked about filming on location. There's spoiler alert, I guess there's a scene filmed at JFK airport. Um, but it, it, it literally is just, I mean, <laughs> the hostage negotiator trying to get these people out and this guy, Sonny, trying to get money for this exchange for his, his lover, who's played by Chris Sarandon, who was Susan Sarandon's uh, first husband. He was nominated for an Oscar for it. Was um, it? Yeah, I mean, he's in it for five minutes. It's just like a phone conversation. Yeah. Uh, but albeit a really good one. Um, yeah, so it's it's really just like a... I, I, one thing people will find out about me, if they don't know it, is I like movies that take place over the span of a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Same. Like Real-time. Real-time yep. movies, so that... Oh, I'm uh, with you on that one. So that's how uh, that that's what this was like. And, so is it uh, like phone booth? With uh, a little, a little bit. It's like phone. Think phone booth in a bank. I actually, <laughs> and, I actually really like that movie, phone booth. And that, it's yeah, it is, it's a good movie. It's an underrated movie. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 there's a lot of again a lot of classic scenes from it. And the, the most classic one I learned this. Um, Al Pacino was on somebody's podcast and he was talking about. Uh, he he goes outside. He goes outside the bank to talk to like the negotiator, but all the people that like from the neighborhood are like on his side now because they kind of know what's going on. So he's about to go out and uh, Sidney Lumet, they did like three weeks of rehearsal for it and kind of like the whole, the whole phone conversation between Pacino and Chris Sarandon is, is uh, Im- improvised. But other than that, he kind of let them improvise in rehearsals. So they were kind of playing fast and loose. So right before, Pacino goes out. He was just supposed to go out and talk to the hostage negotiator and interact with the crowd in any way. And the crowd was just a bunch of extras all from New York. So the um, at, the, at the time the movies t- to take place in, I think it was like 1972, um, the Attica prison riot had just happened where um, the prisoners like revolted and I think some guards got killed, prisoners got killed, and it was like chaos. So <laughs> Pacino's going out to like talk to the negotiator in the crowd and this like an assistant director grabbed him and was like, when you get out there, scream Attica. And it became like this huge thing. I think it was like voted like the 80th greatest movie line of all time. He's just standing outside screaming Attica. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Charlie does it. And it's always funny, doesn't he? <laughs> At some point he's like, <laughs> when he's like outside the bar and he's trying to like, there's like a line out or people are watching D like act or something. He comes out and yells Attica. Um, yeah. So there's some, some classic stuff in that movie. It's, I remember, I remember one scene I really liked in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure this is um, improvised is when, they're about to make their escape, and they're not sure where they want to go. Oh, yeah. And Pacino goes up to John Cazale, and he's, mm-hmm. he says something along the lines of, you know, what's his name, Sal? Sal. He's like, Sal, like, where do you want to go? Any place in the world you want to go? Mm-hmm. And Sal just thinks about it for a minute, and he says something. He's like, 
Iowa. Wyoming. <laughs> or, yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah that was improvised because Pacino, like, he couldn't, he could hardly hold it together after he said that. He thought it was, like, the funniest thing in the world. Um, but, but just, just an awesome, awesome movie by, by a really good, uh, a really good director who doesn't, doesn't get a ton of credit outside of his, his work from the, uh, <laughs> uh, from the seventies. Um, so we basically crossed everything off of, off of my list, except probably my two favorite from the seventies. But do you guys have anything, uh, anything um, else? Hmm. Uh, animal house. <laughs> well, that's actually interesting. Um, the comedies in the seventies were, Animal House. The good. Well, well, I mean, wasn't was Airplane in the seventies? Was that the eighties? That's a good question. I want to say the seventies. What about like Caddyshack? Airplane. I mean, just Caddyshack was eighty. Okay, good. That's a horrible, horrible, horrible. That's that's an eighties movie. That's such a horrible movie. Um, the comedies in the seventies, though, the good ones were like awesome. Airplane's nineteen eighty. Okay. Wow. Good year. Good year for the comedies. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently. Uh, Yeah. Animal House is is it's just an iconic movie but it, take, it takes place in what the 60s it's kind of about like the Harold yeah, Ramis's experience so, or something yeah. Uh, right yeah yeah Ivan Reitman um kind of way, way back when but uh yeah that's that's such a funny movie and introduces John Belushi in a in a big way um I think that every decade has that guy I thought it was going to be Galifianakis in the 2000s but uh he's he's know, he's petered out a little bit yeah <laughs> I guess Belushi did too Chris Farley did John Candy did yeah, it didn't. Impressive. Never lasts. Um, anything on Animal House Day? Um, solid movie. Thanks. Uh, one of my favorite uh, comedies from the 70s and, and my favorite movie from the 70s and one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Annie Hall, Woody Allen's Annie Hall, which is, uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's it's way better than Cuckoo's Nest. You guys are, are high if you if you disagree, but um, I think it's the best movie of the 70s. And it, it's it's just a, for the time, a completely different way of telling a story about a guy who gets broken up with by a girl. That's what that's all it's about. But the way he tells it, the jokes in it, it's it's ridiculously funny. Um, it's such a good performance by uh, Diane Keaton. Woody Allen's great in it, um, both acting, writing, uh, and directing it. There's there's so many just like funny like there's just so many like laugh out. I, I I never realized how funny it was until I watched it recently. Like there's so many moments in it that are just like one-liners that are just hilarious. And um, like I always say, like basically anytime somebody parks a car like right. on a curb, yeah, yeah. I was like, I can walk to the curb from here. Yeah, like yeah, That's yeah. one of his lines. <laughs> um, when when they're like smoking marijuana, he says like, I can't get high because I ripen then I rot. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just funny when he, uh, um, and it, it kind of alludes to what's coming in the 80s. Like there's, he goes to that party in Hollywood and everyone's doing cocaine and they like, like put the, I don't know the little like mirror with cocaine on it in front of him, and he yeah. he sneezes and it just goes everywhere. <laughs> um, a lot of funny stuff, but but it was just a, a brand new way of telling. Uh, and it's completely nonlinear. There's a lot of like flashbacks. There's there's stuff like they do like a, the split screen when it's he's having dinner with his family and or they're showing his family eating dinner and her family eating dinner and they're like very prim and proper. Uh, another Christopher Walken gem from the uh, from the seventies right. is oh, yeah. plays are brilliant. Dwayne, <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's like a psychopath. <laughs> so wait, so what year was that? Seventy seven. Oh, so it's before the Deer Hunter then. When's the Deer Hunter? E- oh yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Se- Deer Hunter seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Walken's character and Annie Hall's Annie's brother, and he basically tells Woody Allen's character Alvy um, that he's sometimes on the road. The, the whole, I basically, I think the whole scene is he just tells him that. Um, he says sometimes when I'm like on the road driving at night, 
I just look at the headlights coming at me and I want to swerve into the other lane. Right. <laughs> and I just get, ahead, get in a head-on collision. And Alvy says something like, all right, well, I'm due back on planet Earth. And then they like cut to him in the car and Dwayne's driving. And it's like raining out and it's dark. And he just sees all the headlights coming by. And uh, who's the other guy in it um, who's in it for maybe like, I think it's like 30 seconds. Paul Simon? No. Um, You're asking me about a guy who's in a movie for 30 seconds. Well, no. I mean, he's like on the phone in the background. Oh, it's uh, so it's... Um, the dude from Jurassic Park. Yeah, Sean, what's his name? I always forget. John, not John Turturro, but... Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Goldblum. Uh, and he, yeah, he has that classic line where he said, he's like, it's like, they're they're just like a very, like a very 70s party. And uh, um, Jeff Goldblum is on the phone and it just like goes by him. But he, like Alvy walks, Alvy Woody Allen's character walks by and he's on the phone and he says, hello, I forgot my mantra. <laughs> and it's, that's like basically it. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, might even be his first movie. I'm not sure. But I believe the party's at Paul Simon's house. Not the right. Paul Simon, but... Uh, um, and, and just in terms of, of writing a movie, it doesn't get much, much better than that. Like it doesn't get, you can't. Yeah. I haven't, I know Woody Allen's made like a ton of movies and I know I've only seen so many, like for a while he was making like one a year. Yeah. You can't keep up with him. He still is. Um, and so but it's, it's gotta be like, it has to be like a situation where like Tom Clancy's not really writing all these books. There's got to be, yeah. it's got to be other people right. writing yeah, and directing them and just sort of like, right. yeah. Um, but it's definitely his name on them at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the best Woody Allen movie I've ever seen. And that's I don't think it's the best movie of the 70s. And that signature font. I think it's one of yep. the best, like, of its, like, genre, that relationship type comedy drama movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely his most well written I've seen. Probably most best directed, too, because of everything he does in it, like Breaking the Fourth Wall and all that. Yeah. Um, I think it was all downhill for him after there. Honestly, I think he's um, overrated as a filmmaker in general. He, he might. I think he takes. He has like five ideas, and he just sort of changes <laughs> them up. Yeah, like, he's, he's like Wes Anderson. Like that's why he <laughs> that's makes great, like one true. movie a year because yeah. there's not too much effort going behind. Them. Uh, very you know true. What I mean? Very it's true. Very simple. Yeah. Um. That that is that is very true. I I think like like he's not much of a director. It's like. No, no, no. He's I, more of a writer. He's you know definitely what I mean? definitely more of a writer. Decent actor. Movies aren't hard to make. No, no. I but mean, Annie Hall is definitely like you know innovative for its time. Yeah, that's a really watchable movie. Yeah, it's 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 great. If you haven't seen Annie Hall, please uh, run out, run out and see it. Um, it's interesting too that it basically took from. I, I just don't. Woody Allen's a stand-up comedian, and never. Up until Louis, basically Louis, no stand-up comedian was saying, "Oh, maybe this translates to movies." Like obviously Seinfeld does it with a show, right. and then Ray Romano does it with a show. Yeah, but why no stand-up comedian was like, "You know, let me give this a whirl." Mm. Isn't that weird? It is weird. And maybe there just wasn't opportunity. But I, I don't. I mean, I guess Richard Pryor was in a lot of movies. Steve Martin was in a lot of movies, but no, they like. I guess was Steve Martin writing, and directing those movies? I don't think so. I hate him so much. I, I put him with like Char- like I put him with like Charlie Chaplin in in I could watch every second of everything they've ever done and not crack a smile. Steve Martin, yeah, I don't think that's true. He's like Steve that's Martin's. Like- his, have you ever seen his stand up? No. Oh, are you, you know, are you just? I do like I do no, I do like the um the SNL. I don't know if he was on SNL at the time, but the uh, King Tut song, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really it. That that broke like, you. The jerks. The jerks terrible. <laughs> what what else? What other movies? The jerk. Bowfinger. Three Migos. I, I, oh. It's great. Um, I didn't know you're such a big Steve Martin fan. He was. I, uh, I just feel like 
you can't laugh at all. Like I don't think nothing. I would. I don't think I would. Right. Monty Python, everything Steve Martin's ever done, and everything Charlie Chaplin's ever done. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a marathon <laughs> and just try not <laughs> not laugh once. <laughs> not so much just crack a smile. Um, no, nah, it might be an exaggeration. Steve Martin, like in 1970, though, was like the best looking guy on the planet. He could have done anything, and now he plays like banjo. <laughs> But he's a good banjo player. He's a really good banjo player. Yeah, he's, he's a weird guy. Father of the Bride, excellent. That's a good movie. Yeah. Planes, yeah. Trains, and Automobiles. There you go. That's, that's John Candy's John's movie. Bringing it back to John Candy. Yeah, that's that's John Candy's. Uh, that's a John Candy vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He just he, he doesn't do it for me. He doesn't do it for me. Um, I don't know how we get on that. Oh, stand-up comedians and <laughs> movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's how. Uh, do you want, so you, you already said your favorite movie was of the seventies is, is Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Uh, what's your second favorite? Um, yeah, probably Five Easy Pieces. Wow. Uh, <laughs> have you seen it? How f- no. Um, no, not, I, I don't have to see that. I, I want to see the last detail, too. That seems like it'll be up my alley. That was, a, that was a good movie. Not up my alley? That was um, the movie. It's like dark, right? don't know about this, but that movie that came out a couple years ago with Steve Carell. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. What was it? It was called, like. Flags. It was a Linklater movie, right? Yeah, Ooh, but it was like uh, supposed to be like a sequel to the Last Detail, oh, or really? like a spiritual sequel. Who directed the Last Detail? Like Cranston, supposed to be like the Nicholson character. I, I thought that the, the, give us a brief synopsis. It's about soldiers who like their buddy died. Um, that's the new one, the one oh. with the with Cranston and okay. Steve Carell, Lawrence Fishburne. Last Detail is one of the, um, it was were they like it was like one of their sons died, right? In that Cranston movie? I forget. I didn't how, see it. No, how, I think it was one of their buddies. How do you put Steve Carell and Brian Cranston in a movie directed by Richard Linklater and no one sees it? I don't know. Linklater is actually, no one sees his movies. <laughs> he had the baseball one too, about like the college baseball players. Yeah, that was a good movie. I hear it's good. No one saw it. I guess he did. Yeah. But um, Last Detail was uh, Nicholson and Nicholson plays like a guy in the army. And I forget who the other actor is um, with him. Randy Quaid. The third one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, you're not going to forget Randy Quaid. They're two army officers, and they're assigned to um, take Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid's been arrested for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. And they're assigned to, like, you know, it's basically like a travel movie. You know, they, they have to take right. them on a train from one place to the prison, mm-hmm. and they just sort of, you know, get into all kinds of trouble. Is it a way. comedy? Um, It's... More of a drama, but there's definitely some funny parts. The poster it. of it makes it look like it's like down Periscope. Right. It's, <laughs> it's like Nicholson wearing like the sailor's hat, right? Yeah, with like a cigar. With a shirt off, right? It's like yeah. insane. <laughs> it's, great. it's the greatest poster I've ever seen. <laughs> um, isn't isn't in like, I think it's in Funny People, like in their apartment, isn't there like a frame picture of the last detail or frame poster? Is there? I'm like 90% sure. I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, the one thing that that you didn't get in the seventies was uh, was and and possibly a reason we enjoy these movies so much is that uh, for the most part they were being made by American directors, white men, kind of roughly in our in our they were thirties forties when they were making them. There was no women making movies and basically no minorities involved in movies, right? Well, wasn't there in the seventies? Uh, I think that was yeah. like the beginning yeah. of like the black exploitation, you know. Movies. Oh like yeah, no, that's, Greer, right. That's yeah, that's probably uh, Shaft. Probably was Shaft in the seventies or was that the sixties? I think it was the seventies. Okay, yeah. Then there was the black exploitation stuff, which I've not seen like any of. I saw Brother from Another Planet, but that was like John Singleton. It was like nineteen ninety. 
I don't even know if that's considered black exploitation, but I guess I guess that is true that there was some uh, there was some other I don't, I don't know I, I don't I don't necessarily think there were any women directing movies at the time, not that I can think of. Yeah, not that I know. Of. Um, that's not good. Uh, yeah, and Jeez, the only actress was Meryl Streep. What about like a uh, Thelma and Louise? When was that? Uh, <laughs> like the nineties. <laughs> What's the movie I'm thinking of with Warren Beatty? Uh, was there a seventies movie like Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, Bonnie and Clyde was that in the seventies? Oh yeah, Is that what you were thinking of? Oh no, that was sixties. So that was yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. I've never seen either of those movies, so it just is so. I, in fact, I've. What would be a Warren Beatty movie that I've seen? I don't think I've seen any of them. Bugsy. No. Nope. Bugsy. What's it called? I think it's called Bugsy. Bugsy. He's like a, the president or something. I don't even know. I forget. Nope. I just like the name. Dick I think, Tracy. I think he was. Remember nope. Dick Tracy. No. I, th- I saw a little bit of. He was in like that Samuel Fuller movie, like Reds. I think it was called. It was a war Reds, movie. Reds. Yeah. A minute of that. I haven't seen it. Shampoo. Nope. <laughs> Joe, I'm surprised you haven't said uh, Mean Streets as one of your choices. I don't, I don't, I don't even have any Scorsese. Like when I jotted them down, and you could have went Taxi Driver, and I, I mean, the oh yeah, ta- thought he was going to say driver. that first, but no, I, I like the movie. I think it's overrated. You do? Yeah. Ah, I thought you loved it. No. Um, yeah, Mean Streets very good. Taxi Driver uh, very good. Arguably three years apart. Those two. Yeah. Mean Streets. Yeah. I mean, there was quite a, quite a three years that Scorsese went through them because. Yeah. The, the difference in, in quality is incredible. I mean, Mean Streets was was very much just a, I mean, just no bare budget. bones, just super simple. Like, uh, probably the nearest first, I don't know if you consider him the star of that movie, but his first big role, for sure, right? Um, it was 1972, I think. Is that yeah, right? probably. 73. 73. Yep. Um, and then, so Tax Driver was 76. Six. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Taxi Driver, I'm not, it's not like in my, I don't know, I'm much bigger on Raging Bull and and Goodfellas than I am Taxi Driver when it comes to Scorsese. But I mean, it's certainly worth pointing out that he's the guy who, of all the directors, that really has come come out of that decade, uh, you know, still, <laughs> still, still shining. I'm trying to think if there's really anyone else that was, I mean, most of them are dead. Sidney yeah. Lumet's dead. Sidney Pollock's dead. Milos is dead, right? Yeah, I don't know. Who are the? I mean, who are the young directors? It, it was was Bill Friedkin? He was pretty young, right? And we're gonna talk oh, about right. Exorcist. Uh, well, no, <laughs> the French Connection. <laughs> <laughs> the Exorcist is that is uh, that that is the most overrated movie ever. That made. was a good movie. It's fine. That's mm. a like I, I I watched the first thirty minutes of Jaws before you guys came over and. It's not scary. Like I get that would be a movie that if you saw in a theater with a bunch of people right. and it had all this hype, like I can I can just see that. It's the same thing as Psycho. How Psycho yeah, is right. scary if for right. its time. Right, right, right. Jaws I, is scary for its time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean I, people wouldn't go in the ocean after seeing Jaws. I, I, we yeah yeah right. I mean we can talk about let's talk about just sort of horror movies in the. In, in the seventies, one that actually uh, trying to maybe look this up. I think it was early seventies. Uh, I can actually jump on this um, in. for once. Uh, Halloween. Did you guys see that? No. What is that? It's um. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. I mean, I just I just saw it. Yeah. Like the I first saw, one. Yeah. Oh, really? Um. Yeah. I saw it right before I saw the new one. Okay. That was in theaters. Yeah. So 
that came out in what seventy eight. So that's a solid mm-hmm. what four, a, yeah. forty years. That's a that is so a good, pe- that, people had to wait forty years, and I it was like one night I watched it, then I watched the new one. So what did <laughs> and I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't like it. Was you didn't like the first one? Not really. No. Do you like the second one? The newest I did, one? I should I did, say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm just not into like the Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. This episode uh, really is not for me. I just we, like, like new movies. Were you guys here? I think it was. It was Kelly. Was oh man, I, I don't know if you guys were here, but Kelly was like somebody said something about Mike Myers. It was at the Oscar party. Do you guys remember this? I don't. And she thought that like Mike Myers, the, like Wayne, was the same person as Michael Myers. Like the the character in, oh. in the Halloween movie, <laughs> yeah, it, it was yeah. I'm still still baff, baffled by it. Um, I'm I'm just not I'm not in, I'm just not a fan of those those kind of movies. Scream, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. I just I, this what are they called slasher movies? Slasher. Yeah, they're all right. Damn. Is that John Carpenter Halloween? It is John Carpenter. Yep. What um. <laughs> Actually, yeah, hard in the seventies. Uh, look up last house on the, last house on the left. I remember like reading about this movie. W- what year was that, Shawnee? Last house on the left, uh, two thousand nine. Okay, the the, <laughs> the original. Oh, <laughs> there was an original. I, I think it was Wes Craven. Uh, yeah. Here we go, seventy two. So, dude, you, you might remember this. Like, I think we, we got it at, at TLA Video because I'd read about it. it was like people were walking out of the theater banned like you can't get a hold of it i was so excited to watch it and we like put it on the entire movie takes place in daylight which is just odd and it's like wait the last house on the left yeah do you remember when we watched it I'm, the one from 2009 no <laughs> we watched the original one i was like so pumped to get to like oh my god i got a copy last house on the left it's supposed to be the craziest movie ever and it's like i don't remember that at all i think it's like somebody breaks into a house and like kind of takes like two teenage girls and makes them like pee themselves in the pee themselves in the woods and I think ends up killing them. <laughs> what? It's it's just like what like what is this? It, it's such it's such and the whole thing I believe is in broad daylight. There's like nothing scary about it. Hmm. And I was just remember being so disappointed by it. The other movie that I was disappointed by, I think it's from the 70s, was a Straw Dogs. Was that in the 70s or was that like an 80s movie? Oh, I forgot about that movie. I think it was the 70s with Dusty. That was another one that everyone was like craziest. I, 1971. Who, was that Bill Freegan? Who directed that? Sam Peckinpah. Uh, Sam, right. Peckinpah. Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. It's a pull. Did you see that? Or did you... of, of the Wild Bunch. <laughs> did you just pull that? <laughs> yeah, I pulled it. <laughs> Impressive. Um, that, uh, yeah, I remember. And that was also probably remade in 2009 with James Morrison <laughs> in the Dustin Hoffman role. So that's where movies have come come to. <laughs> James Morrison is now qualified to, to play a role that Dustin Hoffman originated. So that's fantastic. Um, Nobody can think of anything original, so they just make a terrible remake. Yeah, it's true. Of like a movie that wasn't even that great, but it was like on a list of like movies all men need to see, and it's just like, all right, what? Like this movie's just just complete garbage. Um, yeah, horror in the seventies. They were they were taking taking some shots, taking some risks. I could see. I mean, I could see enjoying it, but while we're on it, we should we should probably get get into Jaws and uh, and one of the quintessential actors of the seventies who was unable to parlay being in the biggest movie ever at the time into a career, and that's Roy Scheider. He had a career. Roy Scheider, you're, you're the star of the biggest movie of all time. What are you going to do next? I'll just be, like, the buddy. I'll be the brother. Like, he's never been a star in anything, and then you get to, like, 1981, and he's done. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, he was in, was that Marathon Man? Is that... Did he die young? He's in The French Connection. Yeah, oh, yeah. That was before uh, Jaws, though. He died in 08. But those are, like, his three films. He died in 2008. 
Age oh. 75, yeah. He was 75. Mm-hmm. He must have retired earlier or something. Give us a rundown. Now, you're thinking of Rick Moranis. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rick Moranis. Like, like, just give us the last 10 movies he was in. Okay. Um... I don't know it. Like no one's gonna know any of these. Yeah, these. that's that's the point. You don't the, even have to read the them now. Pun- the Punisher in two thousand four uh, yeah. with uh, Thomas Jane. Um, dude, I, he was in nothing. It's crazy. How about nine, give us the eighties? What he was in? It's gonna be nothing. Um, he was in a lot of movies though, a lot of nothing. But yeah, he was working. Uh, He's like Ray Liotta. He was in twenty ten. The um, I don't know what that is. It's like the two thousand one sequel, right? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I, know. I just don't know how. Like you're literally <laughs> Jaws it, too. Oh, did he do Jaws too? All that jazz. Oh, okay, that 19, was a big. The, that was a big movie. That was that a uh, Robert Altman. All that jazz. So he had like a run for a couple of years in the seventies. Um, Bob Foss. Oh, Bob Fosse. Yeah, the great Bob Fosse. <laughs> yeah, I, I apparently all that jazz is a good movie, but. Yeah, he had a run in the 70s, but he was literally the star of the biggest movie ever at the time. And then just, ba- I mean, same thing happened to Leota after Goodfellas. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It just amazes me. Like, he was working until he died, and we don't even... Would never have guessed it. It's crazy. Is he a bad actor? I thought he was pretty good. <laughs> He's like, I mean, like, he, there's no reason he couldn't have done Dustin Hoffman or De Niro or Pacino stuff. You got nothing. Well, I mean, he's not that good, but he—I mean—he got nothing. He could have been John Cazale in all those, all those movies. <laughs> I guess that probably hurts him that he wasn't Italian at the time. Um, well, but, we're at an hour here. Um, are we really? Yeah. Oh man, that went quick. Um, uh, why don't you, um, why don't you get right into why you're here and why you chose this, which is the French Connection. Yeah, uh, the French Connection is one of the best movies ever made, and it's the best performance in Gene Hackman's career. Um, and and that I think is it was nineteen like it was early in the seventies, maybe seventy one, and that's like really the 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 quintessential movie I think from this whole whole new wave, which is um, you know just in the fact that the material is very is very dark, uh, and the the scene that everyone knows is like the car chase, and Bill Friedkin talks about the car chase like. We didn't have permission to do it. There was a real car accident that took place in it, and they had to like pay for the guys. Like, he, the guy didn't know that a car chase was being filmed. They had like cops blocking some streets. Yikes! Um, and that they left it. In, they actually left it in the movie. If you, if if you see it, they had to like pay for the guy's car repairs. And and I, I mean, if you watch the car chase, you can't believe that it wasn't totally blocked off on like a closed soundstage. But it was just that was like the seventies. He's just doing a car chase in New York, like in the middle of the day <laughs> and they're like sort of loosely have stuff locked off and he pulls off one of the best car chases ever. Um, but aside from that, you get for my money, the best ending of a movie ever. Um, and you kind of, you kind of get what it's all about in the last like line of the movie, um, which is, which is pretty impressive. Um, but, but I think uh French connection is, is, is certainly worth a, worth a watch. Roy Scheider again is, is great in it, but Gene Hackman is, is so good as, as Popeye Doyle. Um, and just, just his best role. It's, it's, and he's, he feels old in it for 1971, but I guess he's really, really he an old guy. Old. <laughs> yeah. He just has an old face. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, other stuff with that movie. Um, uh, I, maybe you can pull up like the IMDb trivia, but I know that, that there was an issue with Gene Hackman. Um, they, like the studio didn't want him to do it and freaking had to, push for him and they were giving him like all the other all these other names and he had to do it uh they're like there's a lot of use of the n-word there's a lot of drugs in it um 
really just like a tough streets movie um, for 1971 and, and, and probably led to, uh, you know, the, the Scorsese street New York movies and Mean Streets and Taxi Driver that, that came after. Um, do your thoughts on French Connection? Um, I've only seen it one time. It was a few years ago, so I don't remember too many specifics. And I was, what's the last line that he said? Because I remember well, how, exactly how it ends. Yeah. But I don't remember the last line. So, so spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't hasn't seen it, but uh, Me. so well, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not like a it's not like a crazy twist or anything, but um, so so basically the 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 whole movie is this guy Popeye Doyle is a detective in New York City. He um, is trying to solve not 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 a case, but he's trying to figure out how all this. I think it's heroin or is it coke? I I don't remember. But how all these drugs are getting into like New York City through, um, through like the ports, and there's a French connection, and he's trying to catch like the guy behind it all, and he basically just becomes obsessed with catching this guy. So they think they have him, and they know where he is, and he's in like this. I think it's I feel like it's on water, but maybe it's not. It's in like a warehouse, and uh, he's like chasing him through this warehouse, and they get into like the room they think he's in, and there's no one there. So they're like walking around, and and they can't find him anywhere, and they're like really scour it. And eventually somebody's like, all right, like he's not in here. And Gene Hackman's like, that son of a bitch is here. I saw him and I'm going to go find him. And then he just like walks off and the movie ends. What? Yeah, it's awesome. Like he's just so obsessed and he it's, it's he just. Does he find him in French Connection too? <laughs> <laughs> we got him. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's such, such a good movie. And that guy's, that guy's another un, unsung director of the, uh, of the 70s, William Friedkin. He. And and I mean the Exorcist was was just huge. Um, I don't I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. Good performances in that. Actually, um, I have I have one wor- worth mentioning. So okay, I'm good. I'm glad you, glad you waited an hour and a half in. Well, I'm, I'm surprised no one else said this one. Okay, Rocky. Yeah, right. oh, there you great go. film. It is. It is. It, Classic. It, it gets. I don't know. It gets. So many movies have been like just knockoffs of Rocky that it kind of gets. Well, I mean, this is the like the what, ultimate great? underdog right. kind of crowd pleasing movie. But there was. That that was not there was not nothing like that before. Yeah. So when you saw it for the first time, I was like, "Oh my god! Like, wow! This this guy doesn't win the big fight at the end. It's it it had been been crazy." And, and the story behind, of course, Stallone was like basically homeless when he when he wrote it. It's yeah, yeah. It, it is crazy. And it, he watched. It, uh, he went to see Chuck Webner mm-hmm. fight Muhammad Ali, and Chuck Webner was like the huge underdog, and like he lost the fight, but he I don't think he got knocked down, or he got knocked down like once. Mm-hmm. And people were amazed he got up and that he, he went the distance with Muhammad Ali. Yep. And then right after that, Stallone wrote Rocky in like a couple of weeks or something or a few days. And then I think he got a little help and went through a few rewrites. But still pretty impressive from Stallone. And I know, I think, you know, at the time he was nobody. Studios didn't want him to star in it. He's like, no, it's my project. You mm-hmm. know, if you want right. this story told, I'm going to be the star. And And it was such a bold move for him because he had nothing there's no right. reason someone in his position wouldn't just sell the script for twenty thousand yeah. dollars and be on with it but he, he obviously saw i mean just just look at it now it's it's just it's it's insane how how the longevity of that movie where it should have died after three and then it should have died again after five and then it should have died after rocky balboa <laughs> and it just just keeps going it just keeps going but uh yeah yeah that was i mean sports movies in the um in the 70s probably it probably wasn't the the, the heyday of, of sports movies. Yeah. Um, when was it? The Natural was probably the 80s, right? 
my dad would know. Yeah. I think it was like <laughs> mid eighties, every night, eighty four, eighty five. I think. Yep. Yep. Watches. Yeah, I remember we were joking, Shawnee, that like you would walk home drunk, and like as you're walking up the stairs, is like the music playing from the natural after yep. like he hits a home run to the lights <laughs> as you're like stumbling up the stairs drunk, hearing that music. <laughs> Inspiring. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. That may have been the seventies. Was oh well. My mom's favorite movie or second favorite movie of all time, The Sting. It's a good movie. That's, that's a good movie from the seventies. <laughs> yeah. eh, Redford. Uh, what else? Roy Scheider again. Yeah. Right. Nah. Paul Newman. We didn't mention him once in the podcast about movies in the seventies, but <laughs> I guess. I mean, no. I don't think there was anything of note. Cool Hand Luke was the sixties, right? Yeah. Was this the seventies? May have been when he was doing his race car driving. Actually, and kind of took a little bit of a break from acting. I don't know. Maybe. But I can't really remember. And then, like, he kind of came back in the 80s, right? Yeah. yeah Paul Newman sucks, too. Him and Marlon Brando. <laughs> both, both terrible. We've, we we figured that out on this uh, on this episode of uh, a look into to an era that we were not born in. Dee's favorite era of, of, of film. Sean, what's, what's your favorite favorite decade of, uh, of movies? Mm, probably the 90s. Yeah. Early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. If I... There's definitely... I definitely like more films from the 90s. But the quality was better in the 70s. Mm, yeah, it, well, it was the biggest sure. jump of quality. Right, you know? right. Like, 90s was less innovative than the 70s was. It, it was the opposite of innovative. They, like, went back to, like... Yeah. <laughs> to, like, super... To form. Yeah, bare bones. Like, I, I guess, like, John Cassavetti's movies in the 70s were sort of sort of like that. And basically, all the French movies in the 70s were kind of what... Americans were doing in the 90s with I mean like when Kevin Smith made, made Clerks in 1990 it was very difficult to do I mean he, he had to like rent equipment you can do it on a phone that's kind of what was cool about the um, about the 90s and then and then you you get into the Tarantino stuff and the Paul Thomas Anderson stuff um, and the Coen brothers and, and Scorsese in the 90s was incredible so um, yeah there's there's definitely definitely more in the 90s but but yeah it's hard to hard to argue with the the quality in the seventies, and the other the other interesting thing I want to mention about the seventies is when uh, I think film criticism really kind of really took a foothold. And despite there was really no women making movies, Pauline Kael was the biggest film critic in the world. Uh, just so bizarre. Who? <laughs> um, <laughs> who, who is she? Pauline Kael. Yeah, she was a film critic for the New York Times. I she died. I think she. God, a lot of film critics die like oddly and young. Um, but I believe she wrote like, I think she, I guess she fit in in the seventies because she wrote books that were all about like, like, I think she wrote like a movie that was like, or a book. It was called like something about like, like being in the dark, but it had like a, like a, I just wrote Polly. That's not it. Pauline. Was she better than Roper? Yeah. Well, anyone's better than Roper. It's true. All right, so she, uh, let's see, 68 to 91 was, was her, her heyday. Um, but but I think, I, well, I mean, Roper is the best, the best film critic of all time. Um, I'm just trying to find what her, her books were called, but I, I can't even find them. Um, oh, here we go. Man, she won a lot of awards. Uh, she wrote a book. Yeah, they're all like, there was one that was called I Lost It at the Movies, one that was called Deeper Into Movies, <laughs> one was called When the Lights Go Down. They were all like oddly sexual overtone, but it's just, just an odd time where it didn't seem like a lot of women were making movies and, and the biggest critic in the world was was female. When did you say she died? Did you say she died Two, recently? 2001, uh, um, but she, she worked up until uh, 1991, um, 
and then a, a book of her essays were were published in 1996. She wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, th- fourteen, fourteen books on on movies. Um, it is odd though that she uh, she really wasn't. She was born in 1919, and died in 2001. So she's pretty old. <laughs> That's just a tidbit, <laughs> just a just a little tidbit there. Something to something to chew on. I know you guys would rather talk about airplane, but <laughs> <laughs> just just figured I would throw that in there. Uh, anything else from from the uh, the seventies? We I mean we didn't scratch the surface. I don't think. Yeah, there's there's so much. Do Part we leave two next week? Anything out? Anything really notable? Chi- I think we Chi- about Chinatown. Yeah, which Chinatown was really a big one. Yeah. Um, uh, Chinatown. We. Kind of touched on a Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see here. Yeah, you got your jeez. Uh, <laughs> Still got the Roy yeah. Schneider tab up. Uh, let me see. Let's see. Let's see what Criterion says their best of the seventies were. Let's let's see if there's one American movie on here. All right. Uh, wait, that can't be right. <laughs> Three. Okay, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. definitely not right. That was a bad link. Wait, was it eight and a half in the seventies? I have no idea. No, I don't think so. No, Twelve Angry Men was the fifties. The Thirty Nine Steps was the forties. So this is not. Yeah, this is not accurate. Um, Got your Close Encounters. Yeah, we American didn't. Graffiti. Oh, we didn't talk about Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Vince is Vince fuming is just, right now. Yeah, he's broken his phone long ago. Um, yeah, I mean, I would argue that Star Wars ruined movies for forever. So it's a good movie. Well, like it. it's not. I mean, it's just a very it's a very average movie. I get seeing it in the 70s and being like this is so cutting edge but but look what it led to it just led to nothing original you gotta say the full title star wars episode four a new hope is that what it is for yeah i'm actually surprised i know that um yeah we're gonna i mean i just want to give vince a microphone and the equipment and just do a podcast on star wars himself because i think it would be it would be incredible alien hey alien 79 that's Kramer an, versus Kramer. Oh, my God. Oh, how did I forget that? We, we actually really didn't even talk about Dustin oh, Hoffman Serpico. at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grease. Yeah, Kramer versus Kramer is, is really a great movie. Um, I, I think, I, I mean, for my money, it's Meryl Streep's best performance. I, I don't. I think so, too. I'm not sure. Uh, and Dustin Hoffman's. Uh, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a key figure in and. In, in, well, what was the movie? Was it Marathon Man? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. With that was seventies, right? Yep. Dustin Hoffman, and Roy Scheider, and Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. And were they brothers in it? Roy Scheider and Dustin Hoffman. Um. Yeah, they're brothers. Okay. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. Who directed that? Do we know? I can tell you right now, John Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Well. All right, the great John Schlesinger. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of sci-fi. I mean, a lot of stuff, I think, happened in the 70s that wasn't really going on before. It's hard to argue sci-fi because 2001 came out in, like, 1960... Mid-60s? Mid-60s, yeah. So, I mean, I guess Late that kind 60s. of... Mid-60s? Although, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know enough of it. That's, like, that's a genre that I kind of have to tackle, is sci-fi. I just hate it so much. I hate sci-fi. I hate fantasy. But but it's probably something that i gotta got to learn more about because, like, I, I mean... I've seen Alien. I haven't seen the other, like the David Fincher one or the uh, James Cameron one. Um, I've never seen Close Encounters. Uh, have you seen that, D? Close Encounters, Shawnee? I, I not. saw it. It was a good movie. I didn't love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Snow. What's that Matthew McConaughey movie you like about like the stars? <laughs> What's that called? Interstellar. No. 
Was it Contact or something? Oh, uh, God, yeah, is he yeah, in that? Yeah. Is that Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. Jodie Foster. Uh, yeah, Jodie Foster. Yeah. There was two yeah. movies. There was what was the other movie that was one. just like that? But it was like That's maybe 90s. maybe Bill Paxton. There was Contact, and then there was Twister. something else. No, <laughs> maybe with Bill Pullman. I don't know. Uh, I'll think of it. Maybe it was Cusack. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got to get more into sci-fi. I'm sure Vince would have had nothing but sci-fi on uh, on his list, but Alien. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Alien. That's actually another really good. Uh, that's another really good ending line. We got to do a whole podcast. What did she say? She's like, "Oh, we should do a podcast." She's like, lines. "This is Ripley, last survivor of whatever the thing's called." Like Signing that. off or something. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should do the. What, what was my idea today? Oh, we all have to watch a movie that the other person hasn't. That's the other good. the other people haven't seen. I like mm-hmm. that. He could literally pick any movie off his top ten list, and true. none of us would have seen it. Yep. I have a feeling I'm going to be seeing the last details. <laughs> I think it's something good. I, I can't think of anything. I'm struggling. I don't want to watch a thing. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> I have no interest in seeing Vince's selection, but uh, that's John Carpenter, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I see. I know. I know nothing about these guys. Nothing. Oh, no, I'll keep it that way. Anything else? You know, I got nothing. Any any recommendations uh, from either you guys this week? Ah, shoot. Um, I've been flying through some TV shows. Shrill, that 80 Bryant show, I finished that. It's pretty good. Uh, and then I'm watching this Ricky Gervais show, Afterlife, which is awesome. I'm going to finish that tonight. I really, really like it. Um, You know, you know me, Inception. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Kelly comes home one day, and she's like, have you seen a movie called, oh, no, wait. Was it, maybe it was Inception or Interstellar? I can't remember. I think it was Inception. She's like, have you seen a movie called Inception? And I was like, yeah, it's like like good movie. And she's like, like what's it about? And I like explained it to her. I was like, what? Like why? She's like, well, is it Trader Joe's? And like these guys were talking about it. I was like, like what guys? And she's like, the, like the guys, the cast writers were talking about like Inception. And then I was kind of like, e- like eavesdropping in, and they were explaining it to me. But I don't get it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's kind of a tough movie to uh, to explain, but uh, probably worth seeing. I enjoy it. D. Um, you know, maybe one from the '70s, since that's what the whole show has been about. <laughs> and don't say one that we've talked about. All right, I got one. Um, underrated hidden gem. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's from the '70s. Um, it's called "Bang the Drum Slowly." Okay, yeah, I heard of that. Yep. It Never was, heard of um, it. I think De Niro's one of his first starring movies. He plays a minor league baseball player who gets sick and he's dying. Ah. And I forget who, I forget the actor who plays like his best friend on the team. He was nominated for best supporting actor. Um, but it's just about, hmm. it's like a sad movie. It's just about, you know, their season and how, uh, their friendship is a good movie though. Yeah. I'll go with, uh, was, I don't even know if this was the seventies. Yeah, I think it was. I'll go with uh, Manhattan. Another, another Woody Allen classic with, uh, some, some foreshadowing to his, uh, never seen it. His life. Yeah, Manhattan's uh, t- creepy, just like like a creepy movie, and he's like admitting that he's a creep in the movie, but it's just movie, so I guess he can. All right, if we're for real, and get away with going it. Going with seventy suggestions, I'm going to do Willy Wonka, nineteen seventy. Oh, that's a good one. Classic. That is a good one. Yeah, that's uh, dude, that tunnel scene. That's a dark they one, cut yeah. that out of uh, like when it's on TV. They do. They do. Really? So that's why people, if, if you've only seen it on television, go watch the actual movie. There's a scene where they go through the tunnel that is horrific. It's a that's like a, it goes horror for it is. three minutes. And also, if you happen to be in St. Dot's Library, try to find their copy of I, I, can't, I think the book was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. And just just go to the card. My name is written all over it. I took it out every single day in uh, seventh and eighth grade. Roll doll. Every single day. My favorite book ever. 
Movies are all right. All right. Not as good as the Johnny Depp one. Yeah. <laughs> Got me there. All right. Is that it? I think that's going to be I don't it. Think yeah. we have a, I don't think we have a topic for next time yet. Glad I could uh, contribute a lot to this one. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen like four movies from the 80s. It'll be a 20 minute uh, podcast. <laughs> I, I, I just. Or you could just talk about Raging Bull for two hours. That, that would yeah, basically would be it. I, I really don't have anything else Back to contribute the from the 80s. Was Ordinary People like 1989, maybe? It was 80. Oh, oh, that was 1980? That beat Raging Bull. Oh, that's, I, I'm sorry, that's right. That's correct. Well, when was, uh, when was, what was in the night? Uh, oh, Dances with Wolves beat. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. That's. A sin. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, yeah, we're definitely not doing the 80s for a long, long time. All right. Yeah. That'll right. be uh that'll be it for our films of the seventies podcast. Um we are on Instagram at Talking Picture Talk, Twitter at We Talk Pictures. Um yeah, really glad I could contribute to this one. <laughs> it's great. Uh and thank you always. Yes, thanks you, for listening, Vince. The listener. Yeah, thanks, Vince. Vi- the listener, <laughs> Vince. Hi mom. It's been real. <laughs> All right. Uh we'll be back soonish question mark all right see you then